the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, the Bickersons. What's the matter? All right, all right. Blanche, Blanche. I'm putting a ribbon in my hair. Where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. I just thought I'd like to look nice this morning. Why? I knew you'd forget. You don't even know what day this is. I do, too. It's rent day. It is not. Today happens to be our wedding anniversary. Well, I knew it was a sad occasion of some kind. What kind of a remark is that? That's supposed to be funny. No, it isn't supposed to be funny, Blanche. I'm just groggy, that's all. I'm sorry. I knew you'd forget. I didn't forget it. So why didn't you say something? Blanche, I just opened my eyes. You forgot it. I tell you, I didn't forget it. But even if I did, you'd remind me of it. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Is that all? No plans? We've been married eight years. Don't you want to do something? No, it's too late to do anything. It's sad about you. How you suffer. I didn't get such a bargain, you know. Okay, okay. There's better fish in the ocean than the one I caught. There's better bait, too. I'm serious. Okay, I'm sorry. You hack away at me in the morning and I'm so exhausted, I don't know what I'm saying. You wouldn't be so exhausted if you went to bed at a reasonable hour. I had to work overtime. Pour me some coffee. Get paid? I'll get paid. What time did you get home? 12.30. If you got home at 12.30, why were you so long getting into bed? I know for a fact you didn't come to bed until almost 2. I was in the kitchen putting the stuff away. What stuff? What's the matter, Blanche? You told me to bring stuff home for the party tonight. You invited a lot of your crumb friends and you told me to bring stuff, so I brought stuff. Did you bring the potatoes for the potatoes? salad. I brought potatoes. Did you pair them? I paired them. All of them? All except one. He had a big knob on top and I couldn't find a mate for him. <laughs> I meant... I know what you meant, Blanche. I even boiled them last night. Where are my pants? Who stole my pants? Nobody stole your pants. I just looked in the wastebasket and they're not there. My shoes are missing from the sink. Don't be silly, John. Your pants are on a hanger in the closet and your shoes are in the shoe rack. 
How'd they get there? I put them there. Well, I wish you'd quit throwing my things around like that. <laughs> Gotta get them or I'll be late. You won't be late. Here are your pants. Thanks. Blanche, these aren't my pants. They're not? Then whose pants are they? That's a good question, only I should be asking. Don't be so snobby. They were baggy, so I pressed them. Baggy? Took me an hour to find the right crease. Be careful you don't wrinkle them now. What's the difference? I like my pants to look lived in. You're dragging the tops on the floor. Hold your trouser leg with your left hand, then step in with your right foot. Blanche, I've been putting on my own pants for over 40 years, and I don't need you to be the foreman of it. Hand me my Which one? It doesn't matter. I want to use it for a belt. My suspenders are broken. Why don't you wear your belt? I'm using it to keep the soles from falling off my shoes. John Fitterson, you know you're just... I know it. I know I haven't got a belt. Where's my shirt? Where did you hide my shirt? I didn't hide it anywhere. Well, where is it? I draped it around the canary's cage so he could sleep. Is my shirt the only rag you could find to cover the bird's cage with? Hasn't hurt anything, has it? No, but I don't like the way that bird pokes into my pockets. Every time I take a cigarette out, I'm smoking bird seed. Why do you have to cover the cage, anyway? The canary is sensitive to light. Well, get him a pair of sunglasses. Leave my shirt alone. No bird's going to sleep later than I do. Ah, shut up. John, why must you be so mean on our anniversary? Blanche, I'm not mean. I'm worried. Business is bad. My job is hanging by a thread. You never should have quit your other job. You made me quit. You said it wasn't dignified selling bowling balls. You were embarrassed to answer when people asked you what your husband sold. Well, it sounded like it was trying to start a fight. That's no problem for you. I gotta go. Here, and don't forget your samples. I won't forget. This darn vacuum cleaner gets heavier every day. Straighten this hose around my neck, will you, Blanche? There, there. Now, got everything? I think so. No, wait a minute. You got any money? Well, there's 50 cents in the sugar bowl. 50 cents? You can bring me the change when you come home. Now listen, Blanche, something's got to be done about this. I can't go down to work like a pauper every day. A man's got to have a couple dollars in his pocket. Now don't yell at me. I don't mind going with torn clothes and holes in my socks, but I'm not going to suffer through those lunches anymore. What's the matter with your lunches? You ought to know. You pack them for me. I'm just getting sick of carrying my lunch to work in a paper sack. Why can't I go to the restaurant like the other fellas? John, what are you talking about? I haven't fixed your lunch for two years. Oh, Blanche, every morning of my life I find my lunch wrapped in brown paper on the side of the sink. John, that's the garbage. Goodbye, Blanche. Goodbye, dear. Happy anniversary. comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. 
And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com And welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is the number one New York Times bestselling author, known for her dark and intense stories with a, a t- action-packed plots like um, the uh, Young Elites trilogy, Batman, Nightwalker, and the Warcross series. She has a new book called Sky Hunter, and uh, we're going to talk with uh, author Marie Lu about that and much, much more. Um, Marie, good morning and welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. First thing I'm dying to ask is, is is your new book, Sky Hunter, the first in a new series? Uh, yes, it's the first in a duology, actually. So oh, there will really? be another one coming up. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And and was that the plan from the beginning, or did you get to the end of the book and go, but wait, there's more? <laughs> um, it was a plan from the beginning, which is rare for me. I don't usually know how many books it's going to be, but this one I knew. Um, now, the fact that you were born in 1984, um, you've, you've joked that, uh, because that was the year that the, uh, George Orwell novel came out or, or was about, um, 1984 in the name of the book, uh, describing a very dystopian world that you were somehow destined to write dystopian fiction, um, any truth to that, or or where did you get the uh, um, the push or or the desire to write in that genre? Right. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's a weird coincidence. Um, I think I've always been interested um, in political systems and society, um, and the you know the fact that we all live in some semblance of dystopia. You know, some years more than others. <laughs> And um, this inspires a lot of the worlds that I create. I feel like science fiction and fantasy are so ripe for 
for, for highlighting some aspect of society that is wrong and exaggerating it um, in fiction in order to you know, bring awareness to, to what's happening. Um, and I've always loved reading science fiction and fantasy for that aspect. So it's, it's just something that I've, I've always thought about. Um, all of my books are, are snapshots of who I was at the time that I wrote them and what was happening in the world. Um, when those books were created. So I can kind of look back on each of my books and know and remember, you know, what it was that had triggered each one of them. And and how much does your own experience as an immigrant inform your writing and the things that happen and, and the characters contained within your writing? Yeah, I... You know, it's funny, I don't really set out to put my experience into my books, but it does, it creeps in every single time. It's, it's almost <laughs> always, yeah, <laughs> you can't, it's, it's so hard to separate yourself from your writing, and in some, I guess it, it would be impossible to do so, because it is a piece of your heart, you know? So, um, I, I, when I look back on my books, <clears throat> I can always see, um, you know, aspects where I'm like, oh, okay, that was actually pulled from my life, and that was pulled from my history. Um, you know, growing up in, in China for the first few years of my life, I, like, we were, we lived in Beijing. I remember the Tiananmen Square master, like, we were out in the square the day right before, um, that happened. And, um, I have, like, really vague memories of, you know, tanks out in the streets and, like, those things kind of stayed with me and have, those scenes have gone into my novels. Um, and I don't really realize it until afterwards when I look back, I'm like, oh, okay. I see where that came from, you know. And then how did your experience as an immigrant coming to America um, compare or contrast to that? You know, I, as a kid, I think that you just think whatever you experience as a kid is normal and is something that every kid experiences. So... When I was little, I, I had a very happy childhood. I don't have, you know, I don't remember being poor. Like, that's, I think my parents did a very good job of shielding that from me. I don't remember being an immigrant. I didn't really understand that concept. I just assumed that everybody was an immigrant. And um, it, it never occurred to me that this was, like, its own little unique experience. But, um, but you know, I... I came over and settled in, we lived in Louisiana first. I, I grew up in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And I have very clear memories of, you know, being, going to kindergarten and memorizing English words and coming home and writing them down and, you know, trying to piece the language together and going with my mom um, to, like, she was a waitress at this little restaurant near our house. And and I would go with her because, you know, there was nowhere else for me to go. And so they, they put me in this, like, little broom closet in there. It was, like, a nice broom closet with, like, a TV and a couch and stuff. So I would just stay in there all summer. Um, and That's... I would just make up stories for myself. And I remember it as being a happy thing. And now I look back, I'm like, oh, that was kind of, like, a unique experience. That, um, that and... wasn't a broom closet, Marie. That was the Marie Cave. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it was, like, my right <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, how did you end up uh, in Los Angeles um, as opposed to New Orleans? Um, so my parents 
uh, moved around a bit for work, and uh, uh, eventually I ended up in Houston, Texas, um, and that's where I spent the majority of my childhood up until 18. Uh, and then I ended up going to the University of Southern California out in L.A. and just ended up staying because the weather was so great. Yeah, like it, is, so. it, it is yeah. intoxicating. I can, I, I lived out there for a year, and uh, I can certainly understand the appeal. More with New York Times bestselling author Marie Lu about her book, Sky Hunter, and more straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now 
than to have water running under your bridge later. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The Tom Summer Program.com. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with New York Times bestselling author Marie Lu about her book Sky Hunter and more straight ahead. But let me ask you this. You said you didn't you weren't really conscious um, especially as a young child, that you were an immigrant, yet one of the characters in Sky Hunter um, is an immigrant and is fighting for, as it's been described, fighting for a country that doesn't have their back. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't understand what it meant to be an immigrant when I was a kid. But, you know, the older you get, the more aware you are of your place in the world. And um, I wrote Talon as, partly a reflection of memories of, you know, experiences of racism that I had experienced and my parents had experienced growing up, um, which, again, as a kid growing up, I just assumed this is just part of, this is just the way it is. Um, and it didn't, it didn't, you know, occur to me until later in life that, no, this is not the way things should be, and that actually my experience is felt by many, many Americans, um, um, in far worse ways than I've experienced. So, um, so all of those thoughts kind of went into building Talon as a character. Talon, the difference between Talon and I is that um, she's a refugee to this country. You know, she fled uh, a country at war that fell to a regime. Um, so, so that is the difference between our experiences. And I, I wanted to use that to highlight the, the contrast of being in a country that you are simultaneously grateful to be in and that you love and that's your home and also trying to live with the daily discrimination that happens to you. In your book, uh, Sky Hunter, you deal with traumas of war, immigration, xenophobia, imperialism. Um, Given the circumstances in the world today, um, how did you how did you miss pandemic <laughs> and, and and do you still consider this fiction <laughs> um, <laughs> no i don't it, it's funny i get asked a lot um whether or not i think that the world that i write about can ever come to pass and i'm i always think you know they've they exist today like this is everything I write is pulled from reality, from history, and from what's happening in present day. And I, I mean, I wrote this before the pandemic happened, so I didn't know this was going to happen. <laughs> but you know, we fiction is is basically just a lens that we can use to to better see what's happening in our world. And and I feel like it's not so much that the world around us resembles the fictional world, but 
you know, what aspect of reality is fiction highlighting. In your novel, uh, Warcross, has been optioned for uh, television, and your writing has been described as cinema, um, cinematically imagined. Um, is that, when you write, um, do you try to paint pictures with your writing, and is that in part because you started out as an artist? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I am um, a very visual thinker, so I do very much try to, I, like, I will see an entire thing in my head and just try to find the words to put that down on the page. Um, and um, it, it's, it, I think it's highlighted also by the fact that I used to work in, in video games. So I tend to, I very much see, you know, almost like 3D maps in environments in my head. And especially for Warcross, which was literally about a game, I, I see that world as a game and then try to interpret it into words. So, yeah, it, it's very much on my brain works. <laughs> hey, and speaking of maps, did you draw the map in the front of the book of uh, the Carenza Federation? I did not know that the, there's an amazing <laughs> artist who did that uh, map. I, I don't have those types of skills. <laughs> I, I just wondered, because when I read you were an artist, I thought maybe, and, and I looked in the book for him, um, thinking that you might have uh, done an illustration or two. Have you, <laughs> have you, ever, have, have you ever done that? I've never drawn a map before. I think map drawing is kind of its own, its own beast. <laughs> so I've never tried. It looks really intimidating. But have you thought about doing some illustrations along with the uh, the things that you write? I've thought about it. Um, I, I don't know if I have the same level of. Um, I mean, I don't honestly. I don't think I'm good enough to do a, like a fully illustrated uh, book of any kind. And also, I don't feel like I'm I'm great at like revising art in the way that art needs to be revised for a book. Like I'm, I love revising writing. Like all of, the, all of the good stuff in my books happens in revisions. But I just, like once I do a sketch, I'm like I'm done with this. I don't want to touch this anymore. How how is it? Um, how are you able to um, create a dark, dystopian, futuristic world, and? Um, and and make it darker than what a lot of young people today might, as you did when you were little, think this is the way things are. Yeah, I don't... Um, is that getting harder to yeah, do? <laughs> it, it is getting harder to say that it's fiction, for sure. Um, I, I don't really set out to make my stories dark so much as I'm just kind of trying to illuminate things that are things that haunt me, you know, things that keep me up at night. And I think that's for a lot of young people today, they, I think they are drawn to dystopia because they see elements of um, their reality in it. And I think young people today are, are very, very aware of what's going on in the world, like far more so even than I think, uh, you know, that my generation, the older generations are. Like they, they are very aware, and you can see it in the way that they mobilize. And I find that incredibly inspirational. You know, you see young people out there in the streets. They are marching for their for what they believe in. They are marching for um, their rights, and 
on one hand, it's kind of heartbreaking because young people shouldn't have to have this kind of weight on their shoulders. They should be able to just grow up, you know, and worry about things like, you know, prom or grades. But in fact, they're worried about climate change. They're worried about their world. They're worried about gun control, all these things um, that are weighing on them. And I think that, you know, my job as a writer is to try to find some way to both acknowledge that this is their reality and not sugarcoat what's happening, but also at the same time say, you know, in fiction, because I have, I have full control in fiction, to say it is possible for you to win. You know, it is possible for there to be a good ending, even in a dark world, and the good ending is that young people are going to save us. And they shouldn't have to save us, but this is something that they are fully capable of doing, and I feel like the young generation of today is, is, has demonstrated that they are ready for what's coming for them, even though we, as older generations, should have been there to protect them from it. But like characters in your books, isn't that in in some way, don't you think that that's their version, um, and, I, and I'm talking about contemporary young people, their version of coming of age? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's very much a mirror of, of um, growing up in a dark world. And I and I've I've always been drawn to writing about that age because so much is happening at that age. You know, you are becoming who you will be as an adult, um, figuring out the world around you, along with the complica- the complexities of finding first love and understanding your body and understanding your growing mind and understanding your own independence and. And I, I want to write characters that can reflect both both aspects of that, of both the dealing with the outside world around them, as well as all of these tiny, thousands of tiny little things that are happening in their own personal lives, you know? Like, um, why do I have all these feelings all, all of a sudden? And why do I have a crush on that person? And, oh, my God, they touched my hand. Like, all these little things about growing up are, are, are just as important as, these big overarching ideas that are surrounding them. You know, it's it's interesting that you started out as an artist and and now you're you're writing. Um, it, they say a picture tells, uh, uh, you know, can can tell a thousand words, uh, or a picture is worth a thousand words. What what was it that made you decide to write the thousand words? <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved writing. Um, you know, I said that when I was a kid and I was first learning English, you know, I, my mom would give me this assignment to go to school to write down English words and memorize them and put them in a paragraph. And once I figured out the language enough, I just realized I liked doing that. I liked the feeling of describing something with words and capturing, like, an emotion with words. So I just found myself doing it all the time. I would you know, staple together books for myself and... And, and I think it's my way of figuring out the world around me. Um, over time, I realized that, that that's what I'm doing. And um, so, so it's always worked for me as a way of, of, of figuring out my head, figuring out who I am in that moment, figuring out the world around me or what's bothering me or what's getting me down or what's, what I find fascinating. Um, to me, there's no better way of figuring that out and for a lot of depending on the person you know everybody has their own different creative outlet in 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 expressing their feelings about the world and for me it turned out to be 
not to be just writing words. Um, I, w- I was reading something about Sky Hunter, and there was there was a description I found interesting that um, that this book was partially inspired by your own experience as an immigrant, as well as um, Kaiser or Kaiser uh, Khan's speech at the 2016 Democratic National Convention about his son who was killed attempting to save fellow soldiers in Iraq. Um, how did you see that speech, and how has it affected you? Gosh, I thought about that speech almost every day um, for a while after it happened, just because I couldn't get out of my head that, that reality that so many young people in our country, marginalized young people from all walks, go to war to protect us as a country and give their lives and it's for a country that doesn't always give them the respect that they deserve. And, and I think, you know, Mr. Khan's speech brought all that out, and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I think about it all the time now. And, um, and so I think a lot of those thoughts went into Sky Hunter. It's what birthed the book. It's um, what gave me the inspiration for Talon. Um, it's, it was the thing that was keeping me up at night. I, I was uh, reading a, uh, a short biography of you, and there's a, a thing that says, Now a full-time writer, um, Marie spends her spare hours reading, drawing, and playing games. And I assume that's video games. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but what are you reading? What am I reading? Um, these days, I'm, I'm reading like a mix of uh, YA, always and uh, adult fiction and nonfiction lately. Um, I just read this um, really great nonfiction that was recommended to me by a friend um, called Fallen Glory, The Lives and Deaths of History's Greatest Buildings, which I highly recommend. Um, It's a collection of um, like narratively written nonfiction about all these grand things that have um, existed in in our history. Uh, like Babylon or, you know, mighty ancient civilizations and, um, you know, the Tower of Babel, the myth of the Tower of Babel, all of these things that people thought were were going to be immortal, like the Library of Alexandria, and then just, like, disappeared in the sands of time. And it's just the most fascinating read um, and very introspective, very thoughtful. I really loved it. Um, and then another recent book I finished that I loved was The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, um, which is just absolutely stunning. Um, and, gosh, yeah, I'm, I'm always reading something or other. I feel like with the pandemic happening, I've been reading an audiobook a little bit more than usual. Is it important um, when you talk about the world that we're living in and and, and the worlds that, that you create in your writing, um, is it important to have a sense of humor? It is, and you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I I went into Sky Hunter writing it as a kind of a story of anger, like it is a story inspired by a lot of frustration and anger. But I ended up wanting to write the story for the moments of light in it, and the moment of light, the, the moments of light that saved me in this book were Helen's found family, the crew that she fights alongside. They are they are a band of people that I love writing about. They are just 
they are sweet to each other and kind and supportive. They are good friends. You know, they have each other's backs. And that was the piece of the story that made it all worth it for me. You know, that even in the worst experiences, you have you have good friends, you have, you know, someone you can count on, someone you can lean on, and those people are just worth everything in your life. Um, so, so I love those moments. I love writing the banter between them. I love, you know, playing with their friendships and messing with them. And, you know, they tease each other, they taunt each other, and are good to each other. And I, I love that about writing this book. Um. Now, obviously, uh, part two is in the works, or maybe you've got it done already. I've gotten the first draft of it done, so it's in a very bad shape right now. <laughs> but it'll get there in revision. Starting the long, arduous process to publishing. Um, you mentioned that, that this book, uh, Sky Hunter, was written before the pandemic happened. Is this kind of a strange time to be releasing a book? It's a, it's a super strange time to release a book. And I feel like I'm a little bit luckier just because it's, it's happening a little bit later in the pandemic when, you know, we've all, like, the industry has started to figure out ways of marketing and, you know, promotion that... Um, that can work in a pandemic, but early on, it was just like, oh my God, what, what are we going to do? You know, there's, it's, nobody knew how to handle it. It was, this is unprecedented, you know? So, um, yeah, it's a weird time. It's a weird time to be writing something that's dystopian. Um, it's a weird <laughs> time to, to like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird time to be, try, to try to be creative. What, um, for a lot of people um, that I've talked to that that are writers, uh, full-time writers especially, um, that have been through publishing many times and have been out, you know, and met people and, you know, done signings and, and all of the things that go along with promoting a successful book, um, are, are you somebody who really embraces that interaction with uh, with people and with, with readers? Oh, yeah. I, you know, writer, being a writer is such a weird job because half the time you're like absolutely alone in your writing cave and just writing, 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 writing without talking to people. And the other half of the time you're like 100% on the go um, and talking to people from morning to night. And, um, and I kind of love it. You know, I love the, the ability to be able to talk to readers after I finished a book and just be like, how, how did you like it? You know, did you like it? And being able to hear readers give me their reactions, it's what makes the whole thing worth it. I, I love being able to share stories with people. It's a huge honor to do so and to be able to see that in person, to interact with the people that I'm trying to reach out to. It's, it never gets old. Um. I'm not, not sure exactly how I want to set this up, but when you write, um, are you very disciplined? Do you write to a schedule, or or do you binge write? Do you go off to the broom closet and come back weeks later with a book? I I'm I try to be disciplined about my writing. I mean, nowadays I have a deadline, so so that is my discipline. I'm like, okay, it's due. It's basically like a paper that's due. Um, a really, really long paper. 
So, um, yeah, I think deadlines help me focus on the day-to-day for writing. Uh, I have a 19-month-old at home now, and that has really helped with my discipline. Like, my days are super structured. <laughs> like, I know exactly how much time I have to do something, and it's made me um, more more efficient, if not more effective. <laughs> I think I get the same amount of writing in, like, a less amount of time. Interesting. Um, Marie, I uh, always give guests um, an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and about your writing, uh, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? Uh, yes, it's marielu.com. And I'm also on Twitter as Marie underscore Lou and Instagram as Marie Lou the writer. I'm pretty active on uh, those two social media platforms. Um, Marie, uh, what do you hope people, uh, especially young people that, that read your books, like this new one, Sky Hunter, War Cross, the, uh, the other books in, in um, like the Legend series and, and the Young Elites trilogy, what do you hope they get out of it? Is it, is it entertainment and engagement, or are there morals to your stories? I absolutely hope they get entertainment out of it. Um, at the end of the day, that is my really my only goal, it is to entertain people. I, I hope that with everything happening around them, I hope that they are able to kind of just dive into one of my books um, and escape not so much darkness, because my books are dark, but but be able to be um, immersed, overcoming those, you know, overcoming that darkness in in my books, and I hope that that gives them a sense of satisfaction and relief um, when they're reading the book. So, so a, a sense of immersion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I, uh, I wish you all the luck. Once the um, uh, the sequel to Sky Hunter is it is it going to be named Sky Hunter Two or? <laughs> I don't know yet. We're we're playing around with names right now, actually. So we'll see what we land on. <laughs> Sky Hunter: The Next Generation or something. Um, but what what comes next? Uh, where do your ideas for for writing come from and um, have have you already made some notes on on future uh, projects? Yeah, for sure. I I always have like a secret project that's happening on the side, and it's always my like my little carrot on the stick for when I'm struggling through the first draft. I'm like, okay, I just finished this book. I can work on that next book. Um, so I've I've got a couple of other ideas in the works, and they all kind of depend on my mood or you know what's caught my interest in the moment. And right now, I'm working on a project that. It's just fun for me. I, I think that's my mood right now. I just want to write something that's fun. Um, so I can't say too much about it, but it's giving me a lot of joy. And I hope that um, when people read it, they'll also have a lot of fun with it. It's much more lighthearted than what I'm working on right now uh, with Sky Hunter. Well, Marie, I wish you uh, all the luck with that, as uh, um, is true with uh, what becomes of Warcross and, of course, your new book, Sky Hunter. And thank you so much. It's been really fun talking with you. Uh, thanks for spending this time with me this morning. Well, thank you so much, Tom. This is a great chat. I, I had so much fun with you. Thank you. All right. You take care. You too. 
Bye bye. Bye. That's uh, author, actually New York uh, number one New York Times best-selling author Marie Lu talking about her new book Sky Hunter. We'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program. <laughs> TomSumnerProgram.com Hey! <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now too. And even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual play dates. Social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone... I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. There's a fellow by the name of Noah, built an ark. Everybody knows he built an ark. He said, what did Noah do? He said, well, he built an ark. But very few people know about the conversation that went on between the Lord and Noah. You see, Noah was in his rec room sawing away. He was making a few things for the home there. He's a good carpenter. Vuba, 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 vuba. Noah. Somebody call? Vuba, vuba, vuba. Noah. Who is that? It's the Lord, Noah. <laughs> right. Where are you? What do you want? I've been good. I want you to build an ark. Right. What's an ark? Get some wood, build it 300 cubits by 80 cubits by 40 cubits. Right. What's a cubit? Let's see, a cubit. I used to know what a cubit was. uh. Well, don't worry about that, Noah. When you get that done, go out into the world, collect all of the animals in the world by twos, male and female, and put them into the ark. <laughs> right. Who is this real? <laughs> What's going on? How come you want me to do all these weird things? 
I'm going to destroy the world. Right. Am I on candid camera? How you gonna do it? Gonna make it rain for a thousand days and drown them right out. Right. Listen, do this, you'll save water. Let it rain for 40 days and 40 nights and wait for the sewers to back up. Right. effect of an arc on the average neighbor. Now, here's a guy going to work seven o'clock in the morning, Noah's next door neighbor, and he sees the arc. Hey, yo up there, what do you want? What is this? It's an arc. Uh-huh. You want to get it out of my driveway? I got to get to work. Listen, what's this thing for anyway? I can't tell you. Ha 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 ha. Well, I mean, can't you give me a little hint? You want a hint? Yes, please. How long can you tread water? <laughs> this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Because you're mine, 
Uh, Leonard Nimoy doing uh, Johnny Cash for Schlocktober 2020. That's uh, that's new to Schlocktober, uh, actually. Um, came across another one from Leonard Nimoy. We have uh, William Shatner will come up again. I found some new stuff from William Shatner that's kind of kind of fun. We uh, started out, I think, with. Uh, William Shatner doing I Will Survive. But we'll have a different uh, odd or horrible recording each and every day for the month of October while everyone else is celebrating Rocktober and Shocktober. We celebrate Schlocktober on the Tom Sumner program with a different odd or horrible recording each day. You may love the artist, you may love the song, but not so much together. Um, anyway, I want to say uh, that wraps it up for today's uh, edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, thanks to all of the guests who appeared on the show today. Marie Lou, this last hour, uh, New York Times bestseller and uh, author of a new book called Sky Hunter. And uh, before that, a really fun uh, hour spent with Willie Dry, an American journalist and author who has won awards for his writing about the science of hurricanes. He has a book we talked quite a bit about, and it seems kind of appropriate with all the hurricane activity we have this season. Uh, his book, Storm of the Century, focuses uh, on the uh, Labor Day hurricane of 1935. And then uh, before that, we uh, had a very interesting conversation about a new MS treatment with Dr. Robert Shin and someone who um, actually has MS. Carrie joined us for that conversation in the first hour of our three-hour tour today. There's Smoking George. Winter's tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hallway to the living room. But uh, in the meantime, be sure and join us tomorrow. It's Wednesday, which means Armchair Politics. Jan Worth Nelson <coughs> will be joining the roundtable. And uh, we'll kick off the show tomorrow with economist um, Chris Douglas from the University of Michigan Flint for our frequent chats about the uh, economy and so forth. So join us tomorrow. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show. 
and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.